Homegrown Podcast, May 21st, take fucking eight, because every time I've started, I've A, lost my place, my train of thought, pretty hardcore, or B, I've dropped something. First it was, uh, oh, and I bumped the mic one time, and I bumped it so hard it fucking tipped over, so that was great. Uh, what the fuck is up, everybody? Uh, like I said, May 21st, we are, I think I put out an episode the other day, a little internal episode, I updated you on Fight Week. Um, I've been working every single fucking day since I got back, and I have a chill night. I have pizza in the oven, you're probably gonna hear the oven go off here in a little bit, I'm in the kitchen right now. And, uh, the dogs are being extra fucking annoying, they're trying to fucking face fuck each other, um... It's just a chill night. I've got my Coors Latte here. I'm going to take a drink, and uh, we're going to fucking get into this shit. <sighs> Earlier this week, I went on the Block Talk podcast. If you want to find it, type in B-L-O-K-K Talk on Apple uh, Podcasts, or you can go on their Instagram at CementBlock underscore Productions. Um, I had about an hour-long conversation with Boogie and Tommy, and uh, <clears throat> first off, let me just shout out their podcast. They're fucking phenomenal. Like, the content that they put out is absolutely incredible. Their story of, like, how their friendship started, like, they both met in prison. Um, like, they're really, like, they're really fucking cool guys, and I really enjoyed talking to them. The conversation was absolutely phenomenal, though. They, um, really good people. Hey, I met some of my best friends in prison. But they, they really are. They're super fucking cool. We had, a like I said, an hour-long conversation. We talked about um, society and, like, culture. And then we talked about uh, fighting. We talked a little bit about the Nat, the Wow, the Nat, The Nick Maximo-Andre Petrovsky fight. Fuck. I bet none of you guys seen that coming. That was actually a huge... Uh, Nick Maximo was a huge favorite going into that fight. I had to hit the Coors Latte. <clears throat> I know nobody fucking knew this, but Anderson Silva fought today. He fought Bruno Machado. Beat the shit out of him, by the way. Um, I think it was a Floyd Mayweather card or some shit. I, I really have no idea. I've been seeing rumors online that Jake Paul is fighting Tito Ortiz. Um, I hate whatever simulation we're in. I'm just gonna I'm just going to throw that out there. I hate... Whatever simulation we're in that Jake Paul is actually a favorite in a fight. Because I remember back in the day, I remember watching a YouTube video one time of, um, what's that fucking, uh, what's that dude, um, Florida boy jiu-jitsu, what's his name? You don't know? Um, hang out with Nick and Nate for a little bit. Uh, AJ Agazon. <clears throat> That's who it is, AJ Agazon. Sorry, Alicia's in the background. I don't know if you guys can hear her loud as fuck uh, painting. She's getting her Bob Ross on in the background. I was asking her. His name was AJ Agazarm, though. And just to, to give you the rundown on him, he's like 2-1 and one as a professional MMA fighter. Um, he's got hands like a fucking dildo, really. Um, can't strike for shit. And, I mean, he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. I mean, he has... Very high level jujitsu. I was just bullshitting. <laughs> the mic won't pick any of that up. You're good. Um, he has really high level jujitsu, but he 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 fucking sucks. To put it to put it frank, and uh, I remember way back in the day he just tuned up Jake Paul. 
um, when Jake Paul was still a YouTuber. Is he still a YouTuber? It remains to be seen. Um, but I remember this video of AJ just tuning up Jake. It's probably fucking deleted by now because Jake, <clears throat> you know, he's trying to act like the greatest fighter alive. Um, anyways, there's rumors of Tito fighting Jake. And like I said, I just hate the fucking simulation we're in. Uh, I got to do the monthly call out to Barstool Sports because I haven't done this in a while. I actually don't know. I rank, podcast-wise, higher than most of the Barstool Sports podcasts. And here's my complaint with Barstools. Barstool bought... Sorry. Barstool bought Rough and Rowdy. Right? This West Virginia bum-fucked fucking boxing league where amateurs come in and they're all tweaked out. Half of them are missing fucking teeth. And I'm not just talking shit about West Virginians because I hate West Virginia. I'm talking shit because this is a literal fucking thing. Way back in the day, when I first started fighting, it was the wild, wild west when I started doing MMA. Because I fought in casinos in West Virginia for a promotion called Ruckus in the Cage. It was owned by a guy named Chris Smith. And Chris Smith also owned Rough and Rowdy. And I remember, even back then, there was no blood tests, there was no eye exams, there was no physicals. Your physical to fight was literally a doctor looking in both of your eyes with his, I mean, no no fucking stethoscope, no tool, no nothing. He would just look at you in the eyes, both sides of your face, and he would feel your hands. And that was it. That was your pre-fight physical. And so Chris Smith ran this fucking spectacle. Uh, he, at first it was in Virginia, actually. He got ran out of Virginia and took it to West Virginia, where, like I said, it was a wild, wild west of MMA back in the day. It wasn't fully legalized, I don't think. Um, <clears throat> and he had Rough and Rowdy as well. And Rough and Rowdy, it seemed to me like Ruckus was more put together, and Rough and Rowdy was still very white trash, uh, whatever. And so now Barstool owns Rough and Rowdy. And to me, Barstool's exploiting an entire region of people that truthfully need help um, more than anything. And I'm I'm a fucking fight fan. I am uh, a fighter. I'm a coach. Like, I'm a lot of things. But I cannot get behind Rough and Rowdy. Or the Barstool Sports exploitation of these people. You know, you look at, like, Soft White Underbelly, which done a documentary <clears throat> on the Whitaker family from a very rural area in West Virginia. And what's that guy's name? Mark Lacia? Is that, that his name? Mark Lacia? He done a beautiful documentary on the people of West Virginia. Former drug addicts, uh, former coal miners that are out of work, etc. And he paints them in a beautiful light that show you truly scarred people that are just down on their luck. And then you take Barstool, and they show you rough and rowdy, and they interview these quote-unquote fighters. I'm not even going to call them fucking actual fighters, because they're not actual fighters. They've never trained a day in their life. But they interview these quote-unquote fighters, and they just exploit people that are more than definitely strung out on drugs, or um, former drug addicts, or, or whatever. It's, it's just a, it's a fucking circus. I cannot get behind it. I'm sorry that we're eight minutes into this podcast and I'm just shitting on Barstool. 
I did watch Bussin' with the Boys last night because Midland was on there, and Midland's probably my favorite uh, band. Um, and, and I love Twisted History. Twisted History of Illinois came out this week. It was phenomenal. Um, but I don't know that I would want to even join the ranks of the Barstool entertainment world, I guess. So I was going to shout out uh, Barstool and say, hey, give me a job. But at the same time, I don't fucking care. I don't care. I like the, you know, Alex Cooper got a fucking bag and ran off. You know, she, she was hosting Call Her Daddy for Barstool. And now I think she's by herself now with a Spotify exclusive deal. You know, maybe I'd like that kind of come up. You know, Spotify can give me a couple milli. Mm. I just finished the fucking Coors Latte. <clears throat> and it was garbage, but whatever. Um, but yeah, Barstool, do better. Do better. I would love to see Rough and Rowdy just fucking gone completely. And that is a... That's a fact. And that is from somebody who is a huge fight fan, but is also an Appalachian American that has pride in the area that he grew up. And I think it's an absolute fucking shit show. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Let's change gears, because that got a little dark. Um, Midland's new album, Greetings From, came out, and so did... Hang on a second. <clears throat> Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, which we talked about last week. Um, but the one I really want to talk about, American Heartbreak by Zach Bryan. I said Midland is my favorite band. Zach Bryan is by far my favorite artist. Zach Bryan is an absolute fucking animal bro 34 fucking songs to this album it's in the country music um like genre on apple but he is such a singer songwriter zach bryan i'm gonna go ahead and say zach bryan is the bob dylan of our generation and that means a lot coming from me because i'm a huge bob dylan fan zach bryan is probably the greatest songwriter of our generation and that's a fucking fact fucking facts you go back you listen to the album elizabeth i have pretty much that entire album downloaded because there's not a fucking bad song on it on elizabeth come as you are is great it's the first song on the album the second song from a lover's point of view incredible driving heading south you know that song that went viral heading south fucking phenomenal cold-blooded mine loom is my favorite fucking song on the album Elizabeth, Washington Lilacs, Revival. Holy fuck, dude. That entire album is absolute gold. And he just dropped American Heartbreak. It is phenomenal. This Midland album, though. It's called The Last Resort Greetings From. Uh, my favorite two songs are Sunrise Tells the Story and Audios Cowboy. Midland is fucking incredible. And on that episode of Bustin' with the Boys, they were talking about how Cam bought this fucking car off of eBay. And when he got the car shipped to him, it was, uh, what was it? It was rusted out on the bottom, right? And they were going through, they were like at the PCH in California at an intersection and went to hit the brakes. The brakes went through the fucking floor. The whole bottom of the car was rusted out. Fucking incredible story. I absolutely love Midland. And they used to have a podcast uh, called Setting the Record Straight. Which is where today's history lesson comes into play, okay? Because I just talked about Rough and Rowdy, right? I talked about uh, West Virginia 
And then I talked about Zach Bryan and Midland. So I'm going to give you guys your history lesson today. The Billy Ray Cyrus story. Are you guys fucking ready for this? Babe, do you know the Billy Ray Cyrus story? Only because you told me. I was in the shower last night. And I was like, hey, did you know? And I just started talking about Billy Ray Cyrus. A lot of you guys, because I, I look at the demographics, and some of my listeners fit into that 18-year-old to 25-year-old demographic. So I'm going to take a guess and say that some of you guys don't truly know Billy Ray Cyrus the way that me, Alicia, my brother Scotty, uh, you don't know Billy Ray the way we do. And I think a lot of people's first introduction to Billy Ray Cyrus was potentially as Miley Cyrus's dad on, uh, what was that fucking TV show? Hannah Montana, that's it. Hannah Montana. On Hannah Montana is where a lot of people got their introduction to Billy Ray Cyrus. Um, or potentially this Little Nas X Old Town Road song, which Billy Ray cut a verse for. And uh, they did that, I think, probably about two years ago now. Uh, but we're going to talk about his absolute biggest song. Uh, number two on VH1's Songs That Were So Bad, They're Awesome playlist. Uh, it is the ultimate one-hit wonder, the achy, breaky heart. Okay? So, <clears throat> let's get into this. Um, Billy Ray Cyrus was an active musician for ten fucking years before he struck it big with the song uh, Achy, Breaky Heart. And so, the reason that this came up is because Midland have an episode about Billy Ray Cyrus cashing a million dollar check uh, for Achy, Breaky Heart. And I just started thinking, like, I love classic country. Like, 90s country. Absolutely fucking phenomenal. And I was trying to think of the history lesson that we wanted to do this week. And there's actually, there was another one that I wanted to do. Um... But I just, I want to do this. This is fucking fun. Yeah, the last couple of history lessons we've done, you know, we've done John Lennon. We've done Boston Corbin, Richard Nixon, JFK. We've done, like, a bunch of actual history. Let's just do something fucking fun. Okay? So we're going to do the history of the fucking achy, breaky heart. Okay? Uh, so Billy Ray Cyrus was an active musician for ten fucking years before he hit it big. So... Just from, the, just from us being this far in the story, that is me telling you, if you have a goal and it's not immediately happening, keep chasing it, okay? Billy Ray chased uh, music for 10 years before he, he done something good, okay? Um, Billy Ray Cyrus was playing in nightclubs and bars in Ironton, Ohio, with a band called Sly Dog that he started with his brother in, like, the late fucking 80s, Right? And for a brief time, he tried to live in Los Angeles. And so everybody in Los Angeles pretty much told him he was too country. And everybody in Nashville pretty much told him that he was, like, too L.A. So Billy was kind of sitting on this line where he's, like, not really fitting in anywhere. And he's having a really tough go at shit. He did say that this time in his life, uh, in, in the 80s, early 90s, he's living in a Chevy Beretta. And partying his fucking dick off. Okay? Just partying his ass off. Billy Ray was the ultimate party goer. I mean, you guys have seen this fucking mullet. Billy Ray, in my opinion, made the mullet fucking cool. Okay? I mean, that's just a fucking fact. Billy Ray 
Made the mullet. <laughs> Gotta hit the mate. I'm about to fire up a pre-roll. Um, Billy Ray made the fucking mullet. Cool. So in 1990, <clears throat> Billy had wrote this song called Some Gave All. Okay, and it's about a Vietnam veteran. And this is Billy's literal last fucking effort. Like, he literally said that if the song Some Gave All does not get him a record deal, he's literally going to hang it up and get a job at the railroad. And so, in 1990, he signs to Mercury Records because the song Some Gave All absolutely, um, like, it won over the record label, right? So, he starts opening for Reba McIntyre that year, and he's compiling these songs for his first album, and he wanted something that, like, stood out from everything else. And so... <clears throat> that's where we have to take a break from uh, Billy Ray, and we have to talk about this guy named Don Von Treese, right? I think I'm saying his name right. Um, or Don Von Tress. I guess you'd pronounce it Trees. I don't, I don't fucking know how you pronounce it. Don Von Tress. Let's do that. Tress? Trees? Don Von Treese. Um, anyways, so fun fact. Uh, he was Crank on the X-Files. Um... <laughs> So anyways, Don Von Tress is this, this veteran that became a songwriter in Nashville. And you can't really find a whole lot about Don on the internet um, other than like other shit that he's done, like other, um, like other songs or albums that he's worked on. He's worked on a lot, but it was more in the 90s than now, and nothing super, super prominent. Uh, he has worked with Weird Al. He's worked with uh, Billy Ray Cyrus, of course. Um, let's see, I'm trying to bring up this other song. Yeah, I can't even fucking, I can't even bring up this shit. Anyway, so the song is written in 1991, and Don Von Tress writes it, and it's originally performed by this band called the Marcy Brothers, and it used to be titled Don't Tell My Heart. And in Ohio, Billy Ray is playing in a bar when he first hears this song. And so he takes it to um, Joe Scaife, who is his producer, um for the album that he was uh, he was writing. And so Billy Ray loves the song. He tells his band, hey, we're going to cover this fucking song. And he ends up covering it. It's on the album, Some Gave All, released in 1992. Okay, he's been signed to a, a label for two years now. And it literally took the fuck off. They create a dance... It peaked at number four on Billboard Top 100. It was the first country song to go certified platinum since Islands in the Stream by Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. Uh, and it was number one in multiple fucking countries. United Kingdom, by the way. Okay. Um, and it was Cyrus, it was, it was Billy Ray Cyrus's biggest hit until Old Town Road. So, not really a one hit wonder, but kind of a fucking one hit wonder. Um, the album 
Some gave all. Okay, also had these boots are made for walking. Do y'all remember who, who made that song famous? Alicia, do you know who made the song These Boots Are Made For Walking famous? Oh, I can't think of it, it was a girl. Right? It was a girl, yep. It was a girl. Um, Jessica Simpson. And do you know that song is originally by Nancy Sinatra? 1966. Anyways, um, so some gave all had these boots are made for walking. She's not crying anymore. Could have been me. Achy breaky heart. Um, and of course, the song some gave all. Um, which if you're looking at the, like the actual writers for the album, Billy Ray wrote pretty much half the album. Like he was working his fucking dick off. But this song, Achy Breaky Heart, the second song on the album, absolutely blew the fuck up. Blew the fuck up. Um, so Don Von Treese performed the song first. Uh, he wanted it to be recorded by the Oak Ridge Boys, and the Oak Ridge Boys were like, nah, that ain't us. And the Marcy Brothers said, yeah, that's, you know, we'll take it. Didn't take off. Billy Ray done this fucking shit, and it blows up. I'm gonna say, the power's in the mullet. Okay? That's all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say the power is in the fucking mullet. Uh, so anyway, so Billy Ray gets this fucking check for a million dollars. Quite a few more zeros than he'd ever seen before. And he takes it. He's living in a Chevy Beretta. Number one song in country music. He goes to drive through at his bank and tries to uh, withdraw money. Right? Tries to get them to give him a million dollars cash because he doesn't trust the bank. And the bank says, well, that's actually not how this works. So Billy deposits the million dollars. He didn't, the story, there's like a, a little bit of folklore that he just, um, like they turned him down pretty much and he just drove away. He deposited it. But he was living in a Chevy Beretta. And when they were on the road with his band, he would, like, he would literally buy a hotel room for his band and then he would still sleep in his car. He drove that Chevy Beretta absolutely everywhere. Uh, and years later, he found that Chevy Beretta, that same Chevy Beretta, on eBay and purchased it. Fun fact. Um, but so, achy break your heart. And I feel like I just ruined country music for a lot of people because people are like, oh, country music artists probably fucking, you know, they all, like, they all write their own shit. Well, that's fucking false. Absolutely fucking false. Okay? Absolutely false. I'm going to give you guys a list of other songs... And if you, like, I guess if you understand country music, you'll know some of the names that I'm giving you. But these songs were originally wrote for an artist and then performed by another. Okay? We're just gonna, we're gonna debunk country music. I'm eating a fucking pretzel. Sorry. Dirks Bentley. Okay? Y'all know Dirks Bentley. He done that song, What Was I Thinking? Drunk on a Plane, etc. He passed on the song Whiskey Lullaby. Which is performed by Brad Paisley and Allison Krauss. Um, <clears throat> before they recorded it, that song sat in a record label songwriting room for three fucking years. Um, Dirk Bentley listened to it. 
He liked it, but he said it wouldn't work as a duet. Passed on it. You guys know Jake Owen? Okay. Jake Owen uh, has quite a few hit songs. The song Big Green Tractor by Jason Aldean was originally wrote for Jake Owen. Okay. But he said that it would feel very disingenuous if he sang that song because he didn't, in fact, own a fucking Big Green Tractor. And I guess Jason Aldean's country ass fucking did. Or maybe he didn't. Jason Aldean, look, <clears throat> I love outlaw country and real country music. Not not that Kane Brown, Florida Georgia Line bullshit, you know? But I do like some fucking Jason Aldean, okay? Uh, that's a fact. Jason Aldean fucking knows how to get down. Um, let's see here. Fucking Johnny Cash was originally supposed to perform the song Take Me Home Country Roads. You know that song, Take Me Home Country... Anyways, y'all hear me sing this fucking song more than anything on this podcast, and I apologize. But the song's writers, Bill Danoff and Taffy Nevert, tried to sell the song to uh, Johnny Cash. But John Denver actually heard it first and bought the fucking thing. And they all reworked the lyrics... And it became John Denver's number one single. There's a song called Drink a Beer. Performed by Luke Bryan. It's a very sad, sad song. <clears throat> Chris Stapleton wrote that fucking song. But it was also originally pitched to Dirks Bentley. <clears throat> and as we're learning, Dirks Bentley might have the shittiest fucking taste in songs that aren't his because he also turned this down. Uh, Luke Bryan's pussy ass made it a number one hit single, so good for him. I don't like Luke Bryan. Lee Bryce's song, I Drive Your Truck, which is another absolutely gut-wrenching, sad, sad song, was also supposed to be Dirks Bentley's. So we're kind of seeing this trend that Dirks Bentley can't pick his songs for shit. I'm not just going to shit all over him. But y'all know that song, Watching Airplanes by Gary Allen? I'm just sitting out here watching... Okay. Anyways, that song was also supposed to be Dirk Bentley's. So, let's just all have a fucking moment. Hey, can I have that lighter? Oh, shit. <clears throat> can we just all have a moment of silence for Dirk Bentley being the biggest fucking idiot in country music? You guys know Alan Jackson? The guy that sings about uh, some sort of snow cone and uh, hamburger it? It was something about the Chattahoochee and, I don't know, it was some reference to, like, a blowjob or something. Anyways, Alan Jackson was originally supposed to perform the song Chicken Fried, which the Zac Brown Band made absolutely fucking huge. Um, Alan Jackson actually said he had a song about cornbread and chicken, and he had a song about bologna. He couldn't do a song about chicken fried, which made, you know, whatever. Um, and yet there's a song called T-Shirt by Thomas Rhett, and it was originally going to go to Tim McGraw, and fun fact, I love fucking Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw is fucking phenomenal. Uh, the song American Honey, which is by Lady Antebellum, was originally supposed to go to Carrie Underwood. That's a, that's a phenomenal song. I'll probably turn that song on here in like 10 seconds. Uh, Little Big Town passed on the song American Kids, which is now performed by Kenny Chesney. Let me tell you a fun fact. My brother's wife, okay, 
her sister dated Kenny Chesney. So in a weird way, I'm connected to Kenny Chesney. And if you ask me, that's one of the greatest country musicians ever. Let's see here. Oh, and here's the last one. The one that makes me so happy. Okay? If you guys know anything about me, y'all know that I like drinking beer and being super fucking redneck. I just like, you know, I like being, you know, I like being redneck. And so, to be a redneck, I feel like you have to know and love the song Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks. Okay? And Garth Brooks is right now throwing some sort of weird temper tantrum where he's not allowing iTunes or Spotify to to play his shit. Let me tell you, I bought YouTube Premium just so I can listen to Friends in Low Places and lock my phone. That's a fun fact. That that literally fucking... Alicia. Yep. Tell them. That happened. That happened. Okay. Friends in Low Places, it, it's like it's in my bloodstream, okay? When I was born, I knew every word to that song. Mark Chestnut originally recorded a version of that song. He said he didn't like it. He said the song ain't really him. Garth Brooks picked it up and said, you know what? I can get down with that. And Garth Brooks made the song, Friends in Low Places, absolutely fucking huge. Leash? That song's amazing. That song is amazing. That song is phenomenal. Actually, we're going to play that song. As soon as I turn this fucking podcast off, I'm hooking up to the Bluetooth, and I'm going to play Beerweed and Coochie by Wheeler Walker Jr., and then I'm going to play Friends in Low Places. Okay. Um, that is it for this episode. I have pizza waiting on me that I absolutely forgot about. Um, UFC home versus Vieira's tonight. Shout out Chase Hooper. Got a victory earlier this morning or earlier today. The day's kind of blending together, really, because I had to work all fucking day. Um, yeah, I am going to bring out another episode. Today is Saturday. This will release tonight. Um, I will probably drop another episode Wednesday or Thursday. Um, Alicia and I have a seminar this week. Um, the info for that will be posted online. We are looking for other places to do the seminar. So we're going to come to Florida for sure over the summer. And we would love to get a couple seminars in, in Florida. Um, we're also willing to travel to Texas, Washington State, New York, and pretty much anywhere. We just kind of like exploring. Um, so check that out. Alicia and I have a project coming out very, very, very soon. So watch social media for that. And I hope you guys have a good rest of your week. Go check out the Block Talk podcast. B-L-O-K-K Talk on Apple or Spotify. Check those guys out at cementblock underscore productions on social media. Show those guys some love. They're absolutely phenomenal guys, and they deserve all the listens. Uh, Hit the link in the bio. Hit my link tree. Buy my book. I actually got a paycheck this morning from Amazon for $5. So you could say I'm fucking big spending this weekend. Um, But go buy my book. I am tediously working on another one right now. Um, there's also links to merch. There's links to my YouTube. There's links to pretty much fucking everything in the bio. 
So go check it out. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. I hope that this redneck-ass podcast gets you guys through the week. And if you don't like country music or even know country music, I hope you still found something to enjoy about it. Uh, Like I said, I'm going to go eat some pizza and watch some fights. And I'm going to listen to Friends in Low Places. And I hope that you guys do as well. Adios.